Ian Herbert Jones, welcome to the show. Joining us from across the pond this morning, and I've been working on this. You ready? Hello, mate. Oh, Good. no. How was that? H- help hey, us. <laughs> Ian, tell him to stop. Yeah, that was pretty terrible, Eric. I'm going to try to keep my British jabs to a minimum, but uh, I just wanted to remind you that we did kick your ass uh, late 1700s and again in 1812. So, you know, lest there be any uh, dispute around the superior military force. I know that you were in the British Army for a period of time, right? I was, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Just, I mean, you can thank us anytime for your creation. It's no problem. You just, uh, you just send a note. <laughs> long as you all know why you're there. Okay? Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, but hey, uh, thank you for joining us again. You know, in just 13 days, you're embarking on a 30,000 mile trip around the globe, nonstop, on a boat, primitive navigation by yourself, that when you finish, it's going to be 300 days or so on the sea. So I guess the first question is, are you effing crazy? <laughs> quite, yeah, quite possibly, Eric. I mean, um, I often say it doesn't make any, it doesn't make sense on any level, right? <laughs> so don't try to make sense of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, crazy, maybe, uh, romantic, maybe, you know, uh, driven. Um, but it, it's, uh, it's, it's quite, it will be quite a thing if we put it off, that's for sure. I put it off. <laughs> well, we're all rooting for you back over here. We're going to be watching and we'll talk about how others can follow along the race here in a, in a little bit. But um, yeah, so in all seriousness, um, it's good to have you. You know, what, what did possess you to try this feat? Is this something you dreamt about as a little boy, like playing pirate on the, you know, the, the river or something? Yeah, not quite. Not quite. It came later in life, I guess. Um, you know, lots of people have heard about Everest, right? So you don't have to be a mountaineer to, to know that's that's an amazing feat. Uh, but if you if you end up in a sailing world at any point, um, then you start to hear the stories about the real great navigators, the guys that drew the map, quite literally, you know. Yeah, wow. um, and then the guys that came later, you know. Uh, so it's it really is an Everest for sailors. This is an Everest sort of attempt. Um, so it's been developing in the, in the back of the mind for, I, I guess, years, certainly all my, probably most of my adult life, I'm, I'm guessing, Eric, yeah. So have you always been um, attracted to the water? Is, it, is, is sailing or just water been in your life from like a boy or again later in life this has developed in? It came late, no. Yeah, I'm a late developer, right? So <laughs> um, it came late in the... Uh, it came late in the day. It came late in the day. So, like, how old? Oh, I'm, I'm in my early twenties, probably, or, okay. or late teens. Let's say late teens, late teens. Um, and it was uh, back to Eric's quibble. Uh, it was the military that introduced me to sailing, and the British Army used sailing as adventure training for young soldiers, right, of young young troops uh, and recruits. So it's just another way to make you suffer. Uh, so you know they'll you know they'll take you up, take you mountaineering, you know, they just basically get you outside cold, wet and miserable in different ways. And this was one way. Um, the difference is I actually really enjoyed the suffering. And then I've, you know, I've continued to sell, you know, uh, ever since. And, you know, Eric, back to your question, if you do that, you start to, you pick up the books, you, you know, you read the stories about the, some of the greats. Um, and, you know, it's still there to be, um, you know, these, these challenges are still there. They haven't gone away. You know, the geography, guess what? 
hasn't changed. And certainly the world has moved on around <laughs> and some of the equipment you might use, but the challenge remains remains the same, you know, as, as it did, well, arguably a couple of centuries ago. Now, what is amazing, and it's, it's so appropriate that you're comparing this journey to climbing Everest. Um, something that I read the other day was there are fewer people to have uh, raced and, and completed this race than have actually been into space. Is, is, is that true or is that just a fantastical comparison? No, Eric, you're spot on. That, that is absolutely true. I think we're up to, I don't know, 700 people, I guess, into space uh, now. Uh, and oh. with, uh, uh, with what's going on in the US, it's growing all the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess we're about 200 people that have done, done this wow. solo nonstop around the world. Wow. That have completed yeah. it or attempted it? Uh, more more attempted for okay. sure yeah. for sure but completed it we're probably around 200 people that have ever done it without stopping uh, and so on um what's interesting eric i mean just to carry that analogy on is the first person to ever achieve this did so in the same year as the first moon landing that okay. is amazing. so we're talking 1969 yeah, yeah. and since then yeah. yeah so it's yeah, I guess it's out there. <laughs> well, that's right. So that yeah, because they started in 1968, 300 days. So you finished in 1969. That's, that's amazing. And so part of this this deal is you're all alone. It's just you, the boat, Mother Nature. You've got very primitive yeah. navigation. The same stuff that that these uh, these adventurers back in 1968 used. Right? Has anything changed related to the race, or is it a true throwback to the original? Well, it, yes, it's changed. The world has moved on. So, you know, the, the big change, guys, is that I know it can be done, right? <laughs> so the first guys to do this obviously didn't know it could be achieved. And at the time, there was a lot of talk about whether a person can be alone for that period of time, right, and, and come back and, you know, uh, sane. And that, that, that conversation goes on, guys. So that yeah. hasn't changed. Yeah. But, but the, difference, the difference is now we know it can be done, right? So that gives me an enormous advantage. So you can't... You can't make a direct comparison. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, and the second part probably is that we have a modern, uh, I wouldn't call it a safety blanket, Eric, that's far too strong. But, you know, behind me here, I've, I don't know if you can see that in shot, but I have an EPIRB on the wall, right? An emergency okay. position beacon. So I can hit a button yeah. and that will talk to a satellite. And then someone in Falmouth in the UK will pick up the phone and say, okay, we've got a guy in distress, but... I'm still a tiny, tiny dot on the ocean by myself at that point. Back in 68, 69, they, 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 they didn't have that option. So, you know, fundamentally, that's the two changes. One, we know it can be done. And two, uh, there is the option to sh at least shout for help. Beyond that, to be quite frank, that ain't, you know, it's yeah. pretty, it's about as raw as it was back then. Yeah, that? yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's just crazy. I mean, one, one of the things uh, that, that we're you know, asking ourselves in, in prep for this is, man, is this guy afraid of dying? Um, but when you, and I guess when you, when you talk about it, you've got a couple little assurances. But still, I mean, Mother Nature moves pretty quickly, right? And a lot of things can happen. Not to, not to wig you out before your big race here, but <laughs> I'm, know, sure he's, I'm sure right? he's thought, it, thought <laughs> like, about like it a couple said, times. You got a little beep. Beep, you know, beacon blinking in the giant ocean or oceans, the seven seas, literally, right? And somebody's got to be able to uh, get to you and, and find you and rescue you and other things like that when it is a serious. How many folks have actually done that? Or do you more or less just sail into the next closest port if you're you know, ready to throw in the towel? 
Uh, it's a good no, no. I mean, this event, this yeah, this event has been run once before, uh, uh, in, back in 2018, and in that event there were 18 starters and five boats finished. Wow. Uh, of the ones that didn't finish, uh, one, two, uh, three, four, I think four were rescued at sea wow. uh, and would have essentially set off EPIRBs. So that was a pretty dramatic set of incidents. Mm. You know, hopefully we don't repeat that. So, uh, but it's not, it's not unknown by any, any means. Yeah. Ideally, you recover your own situation and you get out of there under your own steam, you know, of course, that's the ideal scenario. Um, but, uh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's quite real. Um, I think, uh, I think guys, um, you know, I'm sure you'd appreciate this. You can't be lulled into any sense of a false sense of security just cause you have some safety equipment, right? You gotta know that that's still quite real out there and all the life rafts in the world, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort this thing out for you. So <laughs> it's great to have it. But these things are last resort items, you know. So you, you hopefully you don't get that far. So, yeah. so that you're starting in like two weeks or so is is it because of because of the timing of the sale? Like you're you're mitigating some of the weather potential things that could pop up along the way as you're hitting different uh, times or seasons of the year as you go across the globe. Right. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So there's like a sensible time to go and a not sensible time to go. So I, I need to hit the Southern Ocean in the Southern Ocean summer time, mm -hmm. you know, as the um, so this Southern Hemisphere summer, uh, and <laughs> which which makes it sound wonderful, right? It, it doesn't turn into a tropical paradise in the summer <laughs> down there either, but it it. it it's less likely to kill you. Let's put it that yeah. way. <laughs> in the summer than the winter, so you can't be down there. You certainly can't be down there in these boats in the wrong season. So you leave now in September and, you know, in the ideal world, I'm going past Tasmania. Uh, in the ideal world, I'm going around Cape Horn at Christmas. Think about it like that, because that's just the perfect time to be down in the South. You know, it sounds so romantic. Yeah. Uh, Cape Horn Christmas. Sounds <laughs> do we do we send you a present to put in the boat yeah. now? Yeah. And you wait till you open it at Christmas. You do get, get get it over here quick. All right. Yeah. You know, it's definitely it's not something you wake up and just say, "Hey, we're going to do this thing today." Um, how long ago did you decide that this was for you? This year was for you. You know, and this hasn't happened for a couple of years, I assume, because of world events, right, and other things. But uh, how have you prepared for this? You know, what, what does that buildup look like? Is it, I don't know, is it a jam session or is it something yeah. you've been pacing okay. over the number of years since you've decided that you're going to attempt? Yeah, it, it, it is something that you pace for certainly. So this event, if it continues in the future, is, a, is every four years, guys. Okay, is it? So it's more like okay. preparing for an Wow. Yeah, it's more like preparing for an Olympics. So I literally put my hand up for this event probably three and a half years ago okay. and said, you know, I'm in. And then you cross that Rubicon, right? You step over that line and then you start to build a, a campaign. Three years ago, I bought this boat that I'm in today, Puffin, and I literally bought her off the finish line, effectively, of the last race. So my boat's been around the world before. And that was my way of getting committed, Eric. So I just get straight in up to my, so my method is to get overcommitted <laughs> And then, and then, you know, fight my way out and <laughs> work out how I'm going to do that. So my way to do that was to get over here. I literally 
bought the boat. It was still full of cans of sardines and dirty socks. <laughs> I said, right, okay, now I've got a boat. I've told the world I'm going to do this. I can't back down, right? So how the hell am I going to work this out? Yeah. So that's the, that's the way I did it. So it's three years in the, at least three years in the making at the moment. So do you have a history of skill, like sailing skill? Like, so before you just buy a boat, right? So yes, you buy a boat, but you can't learn how to sail in three years, the optimal level to sure. sail around the world. Yeah, you're 100% right. Uh, dabbling is probably the, probably a great description, actually. So I, I, I've sailed as a hobby for all this time. So I'm, I'm not a pro sailor, not a professional. I've led a full uh, professional life separately. And then sailing is a weekend thing. Uh, but over those years, I have developed a lot of ocean miles. So I've done probably 40, best part of 50,000 ocean miles, which for, in, for a sailor is, is a lot of miles. Um, and I had a chance back in 2008 to do a circumnavigation on a big boat with a crew with stops. So I have sailed around the world before, but in a very different format. Yeah, very different format to this. Um, so that sort of builds your experience up over time. And basically, you get enough experience to be stupid enough to put your hand up and say, I want to do this. But you do have to qualify. To, to get a place, you okay. have to have a certain amount of experience before they'll give you a place on the race. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very impressive. It's, it's, it's like jaw-dropping. It's jaw-dropping because we deal with preppers. We deal with survivalists. We do deal with like... Um, uh, bushcrafters, right? So there's difference between being alone in the woods and being alone on the ocean. Like it is incredible. So I'm just fascinated by this whole thing. So Ian, the real question I've got for you is you're all alone. How long is it going to be before you start to see mermaids? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm quite a social guy, Eric. So probably within two weeks. <laughs> How about UFOs? Do you see UFOs? Will those come in and I help want guide mermaids. You? Forget I the do, UFOs. I don't do... I, I don't do UFOs. I don't do UFOs. However, what a great question because you've never seen a sky like you'll Stunning. see when you're in the ocean. It's, it's like the cosmos is out. Do you navigate by celestial navigation, one? And two, when you're sleeping, how do you keep the boat on course with navigation? So that's two, two very distinct things. And, and yes, we do uh, navigate using the stars, mainly the big star, guys. You know the one that comes up in the morning? The sun. goes down at night? That big, the big, the big, that's it. That's the one. I was thinking what the name was there. So the sun. <laughs> I'm, here for, I'm here for so the that, layman's version. <laughs> That's, that is my primary, uh, there's two parts of navigation. Just like if you're in the woods, you know, you've got a dead reckoning. I've been walking for so long north, right? So I must be, you know, I've traveled here. So dead rec dead reckoning is a terrible name, by the way, guys, right? There's got to be a better <laughs> name to call it. You better be dead on talk to that guy. Dead. That's right. There's live reckoning. There's yes. definitely a live reckoning going on. And then uh, each day I'll try and get a sight. It's called a sight of the sun. And I'll use the various calculations to use the sun in the morning, at noon, and in the afternoon to help fix my position. I can use the stars as well. Um, that's uh, a bit more complicated, but depending what's what's available. If, if it's only stars I can reach, then um, I'll use that. Uh, and it's astro navigation. Yeah, it's 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 exactly as you know Columbus tried to do it. Um, the one difference is I have a I have a great timepiece. So those guys didn't have a clock. So they didn't know how much time had transpired. So they knew what latitude they were on, but they didn't really know where they were as longitude, which is why eventually you bump into North America, right? You go, oh, 
there's North America. Go yeah. figure. Let's go. Let's go colonize. Um, but they weren't <laughs> looking for North America. They were looking for something completely different. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's that. And how do I steer at night? How do I stay on course? So, um, yeah, so I've got something that steers a boat when I'm not steering and it's called a, it's called a wind vane and it's a mechanical device and I set it to a wind angle. It's going to get pretty techy here, but the point is it steers the boat based on what the wind's doing. So I go to sleep, we're going north, let's say, and I've set that wind vane to be 90 degrees to, to the direction of the boat because that's where the wind's coming from. So that's cool and that works and that'll steer north all night long, but it doesn't know where north is. All it knows is where the wind's coming from. So if the wind then comes round, uh, comes round 90 degrees, let's say it comes to the south, my boat will go, oh, I'll just follow the wind <laughs> and I'll wake up sailing east. Mm -hmm. So you basically wake up a lot and check where you're going. That's 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 oh, wow. the answer. So okay. we have, so, so two parts. Yeah. Okay, but then, then to add in an um, extender question to that, what is the max amount of time that you would probably sleep in a chunk? Okay, so uh, that's that's a really good question. It depends where I am in the world. So if I'm coastal, so I'm near the coast, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, wow. maximum. Wow. Uh, if I'm near shipping lanes, wow. it's down to that kind of time. As I get into the middle of the ocean, so back to that romantic view, so when the stars are all up there and I'm, I'm hundreds of miles offshore, and if I haven't seen shipping for many, ideally many days, then you start to extend and you go to an hour, two hours, maybe three hours, something like that. It depends how comfortable you, comfortable you are. Um, but in general, you know, you, you know, when you get way offshore, you can have long sleeps. When, as you come in, you get less and less and less. So when you see the sailor rounding a cape or coming into a landfall, they're normally at their most exhausted because I may not have slept for, you know, properly for several days. Wow. So you, you learn how to cat nap real quick and keep, keep getting up and getting and checking on the systems and so on. Tough one. Yeah. To be able to yeah. function and calculate and navigate on two hours, two hours, two hours. Is, is your body completely used to that at this point? Um, no, you have to get, you have to, you have to get used to it again each time. So you, you actually, you can almost can't really train for it on land as such. You almost have to be in the environment. I, I find, and then you, you do become more and more uh, used to it for sure for certain uh, and the thing to remember is you're you're operating drunk effectively right so you've got to slow everything down mm -hmm. so if you really are being sleep deprived you've got to slow it down slow down that decision making you know think twice think three times think four times take an action right um you do get used to you mentioned two hours yeah two on two off you can do that for quite a long time your body will adapt to it i'm sure it's not good for you long term but um, you, you, we're we're amazing creatures, right? We 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 adapt to what what uh, our our environment so quickly. So yeah, it's not easy for sure, but it's also it's not impossible. You know, it's it is doable. We are so rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> you can go out and make you know, go go out in the cold and get wet and be miserable. Yeah. I'll get the, miserable for, for know, an hour like, and then go to exactly, bed for ten hours for and think of you. This race is thirty thousand miles, and so. So two pieces to this. What mm -hmm. has been the the longest race you've been on prior to this, or maybe not even race, but prep uh, journey prior to this? And yeah, and and how many days in call it solitary confinement on a puffin uh, thirty? I don't know how how big the boat is, forty feet, whatever it is. Um, you know, how, how long have you been by yourself prior to this? Thirty-five feet. 
35. Okay. Yeah, so Eric, um, <laughs> yeah, she's only 35 feet. Eric, um, the truth is, before I signed up for the race, I don't think I'd spent more than a day, 24 hours alone. <laughs> I really can't remember when. Um, you're crazy. And I, I think I'm quite a social animal. So right? you're going to go from so, one day to yeah, this, 300, I, um, really? Yeah, I feel like we should get you a cat or something. Yes, a cat. Yeah. There, there was there was a, a girl who did this, and she had a trap a cat. She they, called it. They don't take much space. Do you no, want a cat? True. Do you want us and to you, send you a cat? And you cat. You'll eat it probably. The nutrient well, survival cat. Food? What am I, what am I going to do with a cat? I'm going to feel terrible if I well, eat the cat. Well, you got those sardines still from the prior guy. But you could eat the cat. I mean, it's terrible, but okay. That, <laughs> so so one day. Let's not eat the cat. Not eat the cat. Let's not eat the well, cat. Well, you can fish. Okay, you can okay. fish. There's lots of water. One day, Eric, was the answer. Um, <laughs> and since then, I think my longest time has been about 28 days in preparation. Okay. Best part, about a month, okay. right? Okay. So I know I can do one month. Good. What I don't know is can I do two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, so I don't know. Um, but that's kind of why that's the adventure, right? It's an unknown outcome. So, um, you know, this is what I'm going out there to learn, I guess. <laughs> well, you said the boat's 35 feet. So how do you keep yourself you know, fit and healthy? Because you would think that's not a lot of space to do a whole lot of exercise. You're not, you know, you're not going for a five mile run um, every week, you know. There's two parts of that, as often is the case. The boat will keep you fit, right? So working the boat, is, it's, it's a manual task and the boat's moving all the time. Uh, it's not great for your legs. So you've got to try and do fine. If you do some squats or press ups in the cockpit, hmm. uh, it's about all you can do, but to be quite frank, the boat's in constant motion and your body, I'll, I'll, I'll eat really well. We'll talk about food later, but the chances are I'll still strip off a lot of body fat yeah. during the course of the race. Cause you're in constant motion and you'll be surprised how uh, lean you are after, after a couple of months on a boat. Uh, and there's, there's plenty of physical activity, moving sails around and, just making the boat, you know, do do what you need it to do. Well, maybe I should go with you. I could use it, you know, losing a few pounds, I think. I think that's not part of the solo navigation. No, that's true. So you, <laughs> is this where the expression sea legs comes from? You mentioned your legs just kind of give out on you. Is, is that have anything to do with what you, you talked about there? Yeah, sea, sea, legs is, it, sea legs is actually from your inner ear. So you, when you come ashore, everyone walks like a, like a drunken sailor. <laughs> Oh, I thought they were actually drunk. Balanced. No, no, they're on their ways to get drunk. So okay. and, and they shoot they're drunk already. <laughs> but, uh, but their balance is all shot because their inner ear is going, whoa, like this. Uh, so, yeah, when you get off the boat, it's, uh, people, the, the big thing, guys, is you go for the first shower and the hot water hits you and you fall over in the shower. So you stood <laughs> across all the oceans and you just go, whoa, and you, you hit the deck, you fall over in the shower. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's the strangest, the strangest phenomenon. Yeah. Oh my wow. goodness. Wow. So speaking of being a drunken sailor, do you, will you bring alcohol on this trip with you? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's perfectly legal. In fact, it's perfectly traditional as well. So it's, it's, all, it's almost a must. Um, I have not stocked with any alcohol on board yet, but I'm in France, so I'm probably going to stock up. And I, I know there's stuff coming my way from friends. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm almost going to, I'm almost certainly going to take um, enough for a little sniff, sniffle on a, on a, you, you know, every couple well, of days, I guess. It'll help with the mermaids. I hear, you know, that's, you got the, the, the stars, the mermaids, the, it's very romantic. You know, the French wine. You You're going to be all set. Got to take some cheese. You can take the mermaid out for a nice very, sail. Very romantic. Well, speaking of, I don't know, speaking of, uh, <laughs> speaking of sustenance, I know that a sister company 
of ours, WiseCode, has helped put together a meal plan for you. And Nutrient Survival is proud to sponsor mm-hmm. you yep. with a lot of sustenance for this race. So could you talk a little bit about a little bit about that? Because we didn't just want to throw a bunch of stuff your way yep. that you know wasn't going to work for you or that you didn't like the taste of or what have you. You got your own kind of routine, but uh, 300 days on the water is a lot. And so how, how do you, how do you plan for that piece of it? Yeah, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. So the guys at WiseCode to help with a, a, a rotational meal plan. Uh, so I basically in the end opted for like a 14 day rotation of meals, if that makes sense. So over 14 days, I have 14 different sort of uh, menus. Um, the calorie intake goes up and down a lot. So I think if I remember correctly, on average, it's about three and a half thousand calories. But there are times when I need like five or six thousand, right? So it'll come and go. So you need to be able to boost it. And uh, the way that I planned it in terms of managing that is I literally have day bags. So a bit like a ration pack, Eric. So I'll literally take out day 121. I pull a bag out of a locker and, and that's, that's my food for, for that day. And that partly helps me manage it, right? So I know where I am Very with my, my, my rations. So mm-hmm. it's quite a quite an exercise, but we've made 260, 260 yep. day bags Perfect. of food. Um, and then on top of that, I have, if you like, my emergency rations as well, which is nutrient survival almost exclusively. But within my 260 days, because of, you know, when we looked at the, looked at the products together, I previously I'd always thought, about freeze-dried food as emergency rations, right? It's it's only in emergencies you go to this. But uh, I kind of decided, well, that's not the way I want to think about this. And I've just built it in as part of my day, daily routine. So most days, maybe not every day, there'll be a bit of nutrient survival in the mix. And with WiseCode, we figured out that that was helping me top, top out on nutrients and, and vitamins, which otherwise might get dipped in this long life food that I have to take, right? It's, you know, it's canned food, it's pouches and so on. So I blended it in across the piece. Um, so I'm, the plan is not to live on it exclusively, but to have something every day. And then, you know, if I take too long to get around, there is a point when I have to just eat NS, nutrient survival, they call it. And I've got that bag, I've got a bag, All I right. pull that out and it's like, you better get home soon, dude. <laughs> she it. says, hurry up, right? Cause you're, you're on nutrient survival for the rest of the trip so um and that's in the bow at the moment so i've got fishing gear on board okay however i don't have a lot of success with fishing at all Uh and fishing can be a bit risky when you're on your own so a you're on a sailboat right so this is not your big sport fishing boat of florida this is a sailing boat it's doing doing sailing boat things and waving a fishing rod around is not the greatest idea and waving a fishing rod around by yourself when you're thousands of miles offshore is not the smartest move. So you do have to be quite careful. (laughs) So fishing could be a high risk, right? It's a high adrenaline sport. Talked a lot about mother nature as uh, maybe a a Mm. threat out there. um, In addition to the mental, physical stuff you're going to be going through. Um, You know, you hear about Captain Phillips and, you know, Somali pirates and things of that nature. You're excited to talk about getting down uh, around the horn around Christmas time. Who else is going to be there waiting for you? Are there, is there any risk of, uh, call it human intruders? Not really. The, the answer is no, not on this route around the world because, you know, not many people are crazy enough to be down there. So that's that solves that problem. Okay. <laughs> um, 
there are routes around the world where yeah absolutely you know the east coast of africa going through asia can be can be challenging at times but this route not really no no that's not that's not the risk the big risk for me is is uh what we call in, in english is you know bloody big ships okay you know that's the risk <laughs> yeah just plowing me down yeah just you know uh, you. wiping me out without ever notice. right yeah 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 that's the truth yeah there yeah okay sh- shipping lanes we'll keep our eye on you and uh We'll we'll try to you know give you a little bit of a heads up. We see anything coming your way. Do but, you bring anything for like <laughs> p- like protection just in case? It would be a decision. Depends where you're sailing in the world. Uh, to be you know to be deadly serious about it, then you'd have to make that decision. And we all know that decision's a very fine line, right? Yeah, plenty plenty of people have got themselves in trouble by being armed in those circumstances rather than not. Um, no, I I I've chosen not to, and it's it's just not an issue on this on this voyage. It's just not that type of issue, okay. you know. Um, I could reach for a, I could reach for a flare gun, but I'm more likely to set my boat on fire. So <laughs> that doesn't make it isn't a smart move. Really. <laughs> so you all start the race, right? Do you ever run into one of the other people that are racing? Do you ever see them on the horizon? You can all set off on the same day at the same moment, and within you know, days, you're completely scattered across the ocean. Uh, so it, it's, it's possible, particularly when we have choke points where we go around around a cape. Um, but no, you, you just disappear. It's, it's the strangest thing because at the end of the day, your horizon is only so big. Yeah. Right. I was reading that there are points where you have to stop off and drop film while moving or something like that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? They, they call them film gates, right? And, and the story the story goes back to the original guys, and they were so isolated, they sailed past a few places and literally like threw their diaries across or camera film and so on. Um, so the race organizers obviously think that's quite quite a cool thing because it's obviously great for the media to follow the event. So there's four locations that we will sail close to shore and the, the race organizers will come out with a rib, probably, and we can drop off film. We can't take anything back and we get to talk to the, to the camera and the, and the race organizers. Uh, so uh, we, and we'll do that in the, the Canary Islands, which is in the North Atlantic, yes. right? We'll do that in uh, Cape Town, obviously in South Africa, uh, in, near Hobart, in tasmania so now you're now you're down in the south you're below australia you're down down there in tasmania and a great place eric is called storm bay what the frick why are we going to storm bay this doesn't sound so good it sounds like some kind of sacrilege to go there it's a rite of passage gotta go through it storm bay. Does. and then once it, once again as we go up the, up the South Atlantic in a place called Punta del Esta in oh, Uruguay. Very sexy. Um, yeah. it, it does. It sounds like you'd have a great cocktail there if only you could stop. <laughs> so. So, so are you going to let the, the facial hair grow out? Is that the plan? Or are you going to try to keep yourself hygienically you know, together? Yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to experiment with this whole thing, right? Because I normally I get to I, I, no always think I, get, I, I always think I get to a good pirate level. Yeah. Exactly, you know. <laughs> About seven days, I feel like a pirate, but my daughter says, like, my daughter just says I look like a homeless person, basically, yeah. and I need to get a shave. Yeah, so 300 we'll days see. is a long time, man. So, um, what, speaking of your family, what, what do they think about this? Are they excited? Are they going to the malls while you're gone? What are they doing? Yeah, they're going shopping. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're quite right. <laughs> I would be. Um, At first, I'd make sure you have your life insurance policy together, and then I would go shopping. Eric, don't be saying things like that. No, I mean. I know. He's probably got I'm his ducks I'm just joking. In a row. Come on. 
So, uh, so Sally, my wife, has uh, got me to sign a number of papers, Eric. Uh, I'm not sure what they were, but I I think it's okay, (laughs) right? There's no way I could do this if my home wasn't so solid, right? And I didn't have such a solid family base. And Sally's the reason for that, right? She's a pioneer. Basically, once you know, once we built the house, she didn't think we had the kids. She didn't really need me anymore, to be frank. Let's, let's be clear. <laughs> I know the feeling, of, brother. I know the feeling. Lady, he's got a strong wife, <laughs> and the family is is is, is strong and, and together. And I don't think I could do it otherwise, right? It just it would be too hard on everybody else. So I'm I'm very very fortunate uh, for that to be the case. That's it's, what I'm telling myself, Eric. It, I'll tell it. you in 300 days. <laughs> is 300 days your goal? No. I would like to do uh, this boat has done this race in this boat in 260 days last time, roughly. Okay. Uh, so I'd like to do anything better than 260 days. It, it is wow. a good target for my boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, however, uh, however, is you, I feel you've got to be mentally ready for the 300, 310, even 320 days because I'm going for the voyage, right? I'm not trying to break a speed record i'm not you know i'm there for the whole thing and in my head i've planned and prepped for that longer voyage because there's a counterpoint you can do this the other way you can turn around and say i'm only going to prep for 200 days and that's going to drive me to be really fast and so on uh i want to enjoy this in in the sense as i I'm, i will be fully immersed in what i'm doing and if that takes 300 days, so be it, right? If right it on. takes 250 days, that's cool too, right? Um, you know, right so uh, right that's how I, how I look at it. What is the fastest someone's ever circumnavigated in a sailboat in this race? 212 days was uh, a very famous French sailor in the last race. Okay. Yeah, and that's pretty special. This race is, is, is a race and an event, and there's different people in different positions here, um, which is what makes it quite special. So in Formula One racing cars, for example, you know, unless you have 150 million budget, you can't even play. But in this race, you can actually be a Formula One team, and then the next guy, maybe three guys in a garage, or you know, do, do, it's, it's that kind of event. So there, there's there's one particular skipper who's a full a, a pro sailor, fully sponsored. He'll be chasing that 212 day target to answer your mm-hmm. question, right? His his only mission is to chase that, and it's a different type of different type of uh, yeah. event for for yeah. for him in that case. Uh, so your yeah. your motivation is not to win it. You're 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 determined. You're going to finish this thing. You're going to finish this thing, and. Is there anything else that you want to prove other than you're going to take it on and, and kick its butt? Yeah. Prove, I don't know. Prove's a good word. Uh, it's, it's for myself, Eric, right? So it's, it's my, am I proving it to myself? Maybe, maybe I am, right? But I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in it for the adventure, right? I'm, I'm in it for the, you know, what I'm going to learn. If I knew I could do this, guys, I'd probably be doing something else, Right. I'd done it five times before I'd be doing probably something else so yeah and you have to to win first you have to finish so the other thing to take into account in this type of event it is an attritional event <laughs> you it's anyone literally could win this event but you've got to hang in there so all the tenacity the resilience the ability to keep going and to fix and that comes into the play as well 
right so um you know don't don't discount the uh the the boats that might seem to be going ever so slightly slower because they still might be there at the end uh and we know that in history right that's that's often the way that you know the uh victors come out of this but for me to be frank it's about the journey it's not about the trophy you know that may come but that's not what i'm doing this for i'm not playing for the trophy i'm playing for the journey excellent excellent well um we are coming up on time a little bit and and we usually like to you know close with this question and typically it's hypothetical but for you it may be very real (laughs) and and it goes something like this you know okay you are now a castaway stranded on a desert island Deserted island. All well, that's right. a great idea. Well, who thought of this question? <laughs> Have well, you seen this show? Okay. It's usually for people who just yeah. live in a bunker on land. Yeah. But. And I'm not sure if <laughs> you floated in. I because I, I don't know this question. Go on. I'm not yeah, sure what I'm you floated in on, right? <laughs> but just imagine what would be kind of the okay. one thing. And, and I think you're in a really unique situation, and our, our listeners would love to hear your answer. What, what would be that one critical piece of maybe equipment or otherwise, but what do you want to have with you if you were the castaway? Other than an emergency beacon behind him. Okay, so I'm not allowed that, right? Okay. That's, well, that's well, pretty I, good I would say, yeah, we, I guess, we, yes, that would be it, but after that. How much does one of those things cost? Because I might look into that. About four, I get but. About 400 bucks, about 500 bucks. You can carry around oh, with you all the time. That's a good investment. <laughs> I might just do that. Um, I've always got this with me at the moment. Uh, well, what is that? A Leatherman? Yeah. A Leatherman, yeah. Yeah, so I've always got that. So I, I guess if I was giving you a serious answer, if I've got that, maybe I can carve a raft, right? I can do something with that. So I've always got a Leatherman with me. That's a good answer. That's a good I'm answer. I'm surrounded by stuff. But that was right what on your person. That was pretty That was pretty intimate, yeah. Uh, yeah, don't let that fall off in the water. When I'm working with ropes, I normally have a, a lighter, like a turbo, you know, like one of those mm-hmm. gas flame things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Using that, so I maybe maybe that washed up with me, so that maybe I can make a fire. So, there you uh, go. But yeah, yeah. right now I think I'd stick with my Leatherman. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a good answer. Well, um, it's been awesome connecting with you, Ian, and you know we're rooting for you, we're praying for you, we wish you success. We know you're going to do great things, and and Godspeed, of course. Uh, but how can people follow you while you're on Thank this you. journey, and and what can we do for you, other than just keep me in our, our thoughts and prayers. Well, I mean, I appreciate that for sure. Cause I need all the support I get from what, from wherever it comes. Um, the best way to follow the race is actually at the golden globe race 2022 at the core website, to be frank. And there's something on that called a tracker. So one of the strange things is, although I don't know where I am, possibly depending how good my navigation is, uh, the boat has a tracker on it. So puffing will be tracked 24 seven and you guys can see that on the live tracker. At the, at the Golden Globe Brace website. So go to the live tracker. It, you can see the weather systems, you know, so they've got the weather maps rolling over it. So you, you'll you know if I'm going to get hammered by a big Ooh. storm tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. Probably long before I know. Yikes. <laughs> when does the race actually start? Okay, so the race kicks off on the 4th of September at the Lassab de Lone on the French Atlantic coast. Uh, and we start off by uh, racing straight across the Bay of Biscay. Some people may have heard of the Bay of Biscay. It's quite a challenging piece of water to start with. Um, and then after that, it's really easy, Eric. We turn left at the at the top of uh, Portugal. <laughs> turn left at the top of Portugal. Nice. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> and you just go. You keep going until we get to uh, South Africa and then turn left again. You know, oh, how hard man. can this be? Seriously. Yeah. Well, all right. Good. Well, we, we hope that you don't end up like we Magellan, okay? Uh, it's all going to be good. And we're going to see you at the other end uh, when you finish this thing up. Ian Herbert Jones, thank you, sir, for being with us. God bless. Wonderful. Thank you, guys. Much thank appreciated. You. Okay. Awesome to bye-bye. meet you. Okay. Bye-bye.